0: Consequence Podcast Network. The Psychoanalysis Podcast explores the way that horror movies examine mental health issues. It deals with mature and sometimes disturbing subject matter, and it might not be suitable for all listeners. It's meant for entertainment purposes only and is not a substitute for proper therapy. If you or a loved one are currently experiencing mental health difficulties, please contact your local mental health center.
1: Breathe out. Breathe in. Breathe out.
2: Breathe in. Breathe out.
1: This is Psychoanalysis.
3: Welcome to Psychoanalysis, a horror therapy podcast analyzing the horror genre through the lens of mental health. I'm Jen. And I'm Lara.
0: And I'm Mike.
3: <laughs> and we've got some new show jitters, I think. We're kind of, we were talking before we pushed record. We're um, This is the very first episode of this podcast, and I think we're all really excited and just really want to do a good job. Um, yeah. And, you know. My need to please is, is
1: <laughs> just... Like, thrumming through my body, like, super hard right
3: now. Oh, gosh, I know. How many listeners are mad at me yet? That's my, that's what I'm thinking.
1: Yeah, what have I already <laughs> said and done to upset and disappoint everyone we, I know?
0: Can we set a record for getting canceled?
3: Oh, for real, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Right off the bat, so I'm Jen, and I'm the co-host of the Horror Virgin podcast, and I love horror; have loved it since I was little, and I also really like to figure out why people do things, Um, and so I think that's part of why I was always drawn to horror. And as I've gotten older, I've um, started going to therapy and realized how helpful it is. Um, And we'll—I'm sure we'll probably talk a lot about that, but. Yeah, we just wanted to start the show because I have seen the way that horror has helped me kind of deal with things and start to put the pieces together of why I was always so drawn to it. And I think especially right now, while we're all um, for future listeners down the road, we are all in quarantine right now in the age of coronavirus. And, um, you know, I think this is something that's kind of in in the air right now. Yeah
1: agree. It's a definitely in the zeitgeist. Should we say where we're mm-hmm. all from? Oh, yeah. 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 I'm,
3: I'm from Nashville.
1: Yeah, and I'm from Chicago.
0: Boston, Massachusetts.
1: So we represent three distinct regions. Yeah, <laughs> we do. Yeah. Of the United States of America, the greatest country on Earth. Woo. Uh, woo. Uh, sorry, I won't do that. That probably like destroyed the levels just now. So I apologize. Uh, I'm going <laughs> to be apologizing a lot.
3: Yeah, I do that a lot, too. So we'll have to try to, you know.
1: Just keep the screaming to a minimum. But <laughs> right. um, it is a horror podcast. I, I also um am a big horror fan, and I have anxiety and depression that I've been dealing with since, like, pretty much puberty. I've been in therapy since 2007, and it was definitely the best thing that ever happened to me. Um, I don't even want to think about the alternative Lara that is running around in some even bleaker timeline, um, (laughs) having not had therapy and um, horror has been a big part of my journey. So that's why I'm here.
0: And I am a uh, mental health counselor. I received my master's degree um, in school adjustment counseling and mental health counseling. I currently work as a therapist, as well as a school adjustment counselor. So I, I guess what you would call license eligible, working towards <laughs> my LMHC.
3: What's an LMHC?
0: Licensed okay. mental health counselor.
3: Ah, nice. And so, okay, so I know from my my therapist, um, does that mean that you're in supervision right now?
0: Basically, yeah. It means that I see a supervisor a couple times a week to review um, cases with her, and I'm currently... Getting the hours I need in order to get full licensure, which is about 3,000 hours in the field. Uh, If it wasn't for this pandemic, I would have been eligible to get full licensure like right around the fall Mm. uh, overall. So that's when you can open your own practice and really, (laughs) really rake in the big bucks at that point. So, yes.
3: Yes. Can you count this as some of your hours?
0: No, no, this is <laughs> purely entertainment purposes right now. So, can
3: you compare
1: yourself to Fraser Crane at all right now?
0: <gasps> I can do or that.
1: Or Niles, yeah.
0: I have a much, yeah, much better beard. Uh, uh, overall, yeah. yes. a much cuter dog overall as well.
1: <laughs> I wow. love Frasier so much. <laughs> yes, I, I, I do too. I don't know where that falls in the spectrum of of genre, but uh, I know horror. awesomeness.
0: <laughs> I don't think I ever watched a minute of Frasier, but I grew <gasps> up on Cheers.
3: Mm, okay. see, and I'm kind of the opposite. I I watched like I think I existed when Cheers was on mm-hmm. in rooms and stuff, but like Frasier was my show. Um, and that's our fall mm-hmm. asleep show now. And like sometimes Corey, my husband and I will play this game where like I have to by the sound or by the dialogue, identify the title of the episode <laughs> as <laughs> quickly as possible. And I'm pretty good. I'm not so great at the first couple of seasons, mm-hmm. but
1: that's that's amazing. And I love it. Yeah. I'm either falling asleep to, <laughs> to Frasier or a horror movie. And I don't know what that says about my personality. Mm-hmm. You're
2: awesome.
1: <laughs> I'd, I'd say you. that
0: I am. So, you know, I would say I'm a better counselor than, say, Dr. Loomis from the Halloween movies <laughs> in that I've never shot one of my patients six times. Six you times.
1: So. Well, does that mean you've shot them five times? Yes.
3: <laughs> or seven. <laughs> yeah.
0: Or I've just missed. I could have terrible aim. So. Yeah, that's
3: true. Although well, that's it's g- never confirmed that Loomis actually has good aim. So mm-hmm. True. Very true. <laughs> uh, well, it's a good bar. It's a good bar to um, it is.
1: to to set for oneself as a... <clears throat> As a licensed mental health practitioner. Agreed, agreed. Somewhere
3: between Dr. Loomis and Frazier. <laughs> you know, I think you can't go wrong. Well, so when we're ta- when we were talking about the purpose of the show and like we talked a little bit about it, like I just feel like we all three have seen how horror has benefited us and how therapy has benefited us. And so that's why we wanted to start the show and just to let you know a little bit about what our plans for the structure of this are going to be is we're going to try to do um, biweekly episodes and each month is going to be a specific topic in mental health. And we like not necessarily a diagnosis or not necessarily a specific phobia, but just like a topic. And for example, our, our first topic is going to be anxiety. And I think that's just one that we're all kind of experiencing to some level right now. <clears throat> And so each this first episode is going to be a little bit different, but normally we'll have one movie that we've picked to kind of, talk about anxiety or whatever the topic is. Maybe it's PTSD, maybe it's toxic family relationships, something like that. And we'll talk about the movie we've picked and we'll talk about the actual topic. And Mike's going to give us a lot of research and knowledge, which is awesome. Um, And then we'll kind of just talk about how we see it in that movie and then just open it up for discussion and talk about how we're feeling. Now today, Mm -hmm. because this is the very first episode Um, We're going to talk about the concept of anxiety and horror and how just horror in general and kind of like why why horror helps us with our anxieties and why we have things like comfort food movies, you know.
1: Absolutely. And maybe we can talk a little about, you know, our. Our initial forays into horror and, and how we see that you know, dovetailing with the journey that we ended up going on, you know, mentally and emotionally in life. Um, I'm thinking about my own childhood and, you know, I I, I was definitely an anxious child. I don't know about you guys, but anxiety to some degree has been with me for as long as I can remember. Um, I was just a child that was very easily scared, yet I found myself drawn to dark, creepy things and horror, like adjacent kids stuff and horror mm-hmm. adjacent like fun movies um my three favorite movies growing up were Wee's big adventure which i don't know it has horror elements beetlejuice and the nightmare before christmas i was a 90s kid um <laughs> and those were three i like didn't realize until i was older that they all had like tim burton's hand and in, involved in them you know i don't know i don't like the way i just said that <laughs> just the, the 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 claw of tim burton was deep in each film um <laughs> The, the scissor hands were there? Yes, exactly. And so, um, can I relay an anecdote that I think represents uh, maybe like a gateway moment for me into horror?
0: Of course. Can sure. I do that?
1: Thank you for consenting. Yeah. <laughs> um, so. When I was little, I remember seeing the trailer before another movie for Nightmare Before Christmas, and I remember being super excited about it. I thought there was something about it that I was really drawn to the imagery, the music. But I thought in my head that it was like a fun kids movie. Um, and when I went to the theater with my mom to see it, I remember the movie started up and it starts with that. This is Halloween sequence, which I would mm-hmm. later come to adore and. At that moment, I just completely flipped my shit. I just started having a temper tantrum. I ran out of the theater crying because I was so scared. And I went and hid in the bathroom and my mom found me and she was like, what the hell? She didn't say that exactly. But like, you've been so excited about this movie. We paid for this movie. Like, why don't you want to see the movie? And I was like, I'm scared. I'm scared. And she's like, it's not scary. It is just, just We'll come back into the theater and she I was like no and she was like come on I'm like no and after a little bit she man she convinced me to go back in and i ended up watching it and loving it and i realized that i could get past my fear in that Aww. moment it was a very small little thing but then i it ended up being you know i ended up demanding that we get it on VHS when it came out and i watched it over and over and over um And for me, that that moment kind of represents how I would come to have a relationship with horror throughout the rest of my life is that I was really, really easily scared. And but there was something that I liked about that feeling, Mm -hmm. despite being a super anxious person, and that I was seeking that out to degrees that escalated over the years.
3: Oh, it's like an empower, like I see my kids going through some of that, too. And like the repetition is like builds confidence, you know? Yes. Um, Mike, what about you? What kind of has drawn you to horror and to mental health? Sure. So it
0: started for me at a really young age. My grandmother used to pay the grandchildren to stay awake with her to watch like the old creature double feature movies that would come on at like 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night, like in the days before cable television or the early days of cable, where you would have like these, you know, old universal movies or the hammer horror movies. She would pay me to stay up and and watch those with her. It's the best job
1: ever. Oh, (laughs) yeah. yeah. That sounds like an awesome grandma move.
0: (laughs) Easy five bucks. And then from there, like during the... Really weird thing is like our town's library, for whatever reason, the kids section had this amazing occult section for kids. So there were books on vampires, witchcraft, ghosts all like the true history of vampires. And I used to um, check those out by like the cartload, basically. And Mm -hmm. I must have read those like hundreds of times growing up. And you would look at all the old like woodcuts of like Vlad the Impaler, like the real (laughs) Dracula, and I just was hooked. Uh, And then at that point, like you would, you know, ride your bike down to the nearby video store. You would peruse the aisles for the um, title that would give you, look like it would freak you out the most, you know, Mm -hmm. you would put mm-hmm. your hands on Faces of Death and then basically, you know, the high school uh, video clerk who could care less what you rented would just like, yeah, whatever kid, you look old enough to watch this. You're 10. Um, you know, <laughs> you would just start watching these Faces of Death. That's
1: that's going yeah. Hard, hard. Yeah, yeah uh,
0: basically. I was always
3: too scared of that one. Well, yeah. I,
1: I, I think that I, I definitely had that experience in Blockbuster looking at all the VHS tapes and all the little sort of seedy uh, creepy lurid images that were printed that always made... They are probably, like, way scarier than anything in the actual movie. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, and just looking at those and being completely repulsed by them, but also drawn to them. It's such a 90s kid experience.
0: There's definitely that thing about being repulsed by something, but also being drawn into it. Like, you know, like, I know that I shouldn't be watching this right now. I know that it's going to... I used to have horrific nightmares growing up, and I remember... Um, the day that like fifth grade ended, I finished reading the uh, Amityville Horror, and mm. I woke up the next day with the chicken pox. But I didn't uh. know that it was the chicken pox. Like I thought oh, wow. that I was being punished by God and being turned into some sort of demon. <laughs> oh, my um, gosh. Because I, I wasn't supposed to read it. So
1: oh man, that wow. there was like that's there was how some my brain guilt.
0: There. there was some mm. Catholic guilt there. Yeah. Um,
1: Oh, we could get into that because, yeah. like, I was a, a, a the only Jewish girl at a Catholic school for eight oh. years, so I got some guilt <laughs> to talk about.
0: There you go. Yeah. Um, and then, in terms of getting into counseling, it was just I had spent ten years as like a business development manager, traveling New England, working with small businesses, and after I started a family, I started to want to travel less. I had been receiving counseling for um, for my own issues and basically it was something where while I'm getting counseling, I'm like, I think I can do this. Like, you know, they're sitting here and they're listening to me and they're asking me open ended questions and they're letting me kind of talk through my things. And I'm like, I kind of do that already for my job, except this would be helping people. So I quit, um, my sales job, finished my bachelor's degree after 20 years of college and worked with developmentally disabled adults and intellectually impaired adults, as well as adults with traumatic brain injury, uh, and then went to grad school for, um, counseling. And there we are.
3: Nice. That is, that's awesome. Um, I think when I think about like My relationship with horror, I I have kind of reevaluated a lot of things about my childhood in the past couple of years because, like, my earliest memories of being, like— of in encountering horror. I had the moment where I went to blockbuster and I was like, holy shit, this Texas chainsaw massacre cover is too much for me, but like wanting to being curious, but it's, I just, I like, I knew that was a limit that I couldn't get to yet. Um, but I also grew up with Stephen King all over my dad's bookshelves, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that was, um, that was something that I feel like, um, we really bonded with. And I was like, Oh, this is something he likes. I'm going to, I'm going to check it out too. And then I kind of just like fell in love with it. But like the more that I think about it, cause I was always, I don't know if I would say I always had anxiety or I was anxious, but I just remember always being afraid. Um, and just of, of everything. And part of that is because, Um, I, as I've realized in the last couple of years, like my dad was a narcissist. And so a lot of like his, like my personality is based on that, like being Mm. afraid that I was going to do something wrong or being afraid that I was going to get in trouble. And like I said, at the beginning of the show, I'm always afraid somebody is mad at me about something. Um, and so I think when I think about like me wanting to read Stephen King, It wasn't so much a bonding thing. It was a me trying to please him thing, you know? Um, And so I think as I started like really becoming drawn to horror um it wasn't always something he was really that into but it was something that I sought out and when um I I also loved the um scary stories to tell in the dark like I I had a friend and she had that at her house and I would go over to her house and I would just ignore her for hours and just read all of those stories because I didn't have them um and so doing some research for an episode we did on that like that was banned from schools did you guys know that
1: yeah yeah yeah, was although for some reason again at my catholic grade school they had those in the library they had these bizarre illustrated versions of Grimm's fairy tales with mm-hmm. some of the most morbid and yeah I, yeah I did the same thing where you're like i'm looking at that i'm just like you know ugh. like the the spider one is the one from scary stories that uh-huh. always got me and mm. and the Grimm's fairy tale was this like they had this blue beard one and they had like all the chopped up bodies of his wives and like barrels and there was like blood mm-hmm. and it was like i you know i've actually tried to find that illustration, uh, illustrated book forever, and I can't track it down. Um, I have too.
3: Listeners, if you know where that is, because yes. I was just like fascinated by that and I just ate it up. Mm-hmm. And so when I was like, because the defense of banning those books was that this is too scary for kids, especially some of the illustrations. And the opposite of that, a lot of the the proponents for the book, I don't know if I'm saying that right, but... Um, Okay, whatever. Pro- <laughs> <Was> Proponents. <the, laughs> proponent, Like advocates yes, for yes, it. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Very good. We, like, did yes. <laughs> we did it. We did it. Was um, like, this helps kids put a name on fear that they don't understand. And yes. so I think now that I look back, and it's funny because I'm doing this thing called a trauma egg where I'm like drawing all of these pictures. And like, I'm looking at all these things that happened in my childhood. And I was like, oh, I was just afraid. I was afraid all the time. And so horror helped me put a name on that you know even if i didn't understand what i was afraid of it helped me understand that i was afraid and that kind of laura like what you were saying i can overcome this and i can finish this movie and it's okay Mm -hmm. you know like like, i remember watching Candyman, and i i was terrified but then by the end of the movie just because of the way it ends and no spoilers but um it may, it. I wasn't scared anymore. It was like he oh. turns into he turns into actual candy. Um, he does, that, and it's yeah, delicious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then they all eat him
1: up and go yum yum yum. yum. Um, no, but yeah, no. I, I had the exact same experience where it's like it's like training wheels, almost like it gives you a way to. Um, I feel scared all the time anyway. At least this, I can feel scared for a reason mm-hmm. and get a sense of resolution. Even if there isn't a totally happy ending, it's like it ended. I'm out of this thing. I don't know. There's something about that, really. Yeah. You know that it's just it's it it's like. I'm always afraid of something. So this sort of uh, invokes it and gives me something physical that I can attach that feeling to and then expunge it. Yeah. Wash
3: it away. Well, and so, Mike, you've been doing some research on a mm-hmm. lot of this. Do you want to kind of <laughs> like. Sure. Explain what we're talking about.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think Lara just actually had a nice little summation of it right there as well, and her thoughts of like, well, I'm scared of something all the time. Anyway, this is a way for me to kind of process it and and examine it overall. And that's actually, you know, one of the things we were gonna talk about tonight is how horror movies can actually benefit your mental health. And basically, what do people who suffer from anxiety or report that they have past trauma that they're recovering from, how do they find horror movies beneficial? Um, Part of it stems just from how our brains work. When we watch horror movies, our adrenaline kicks in. You know, adrenaline is that thing that used to allow, you know, our cave dwelling ancestors to either like fight off, you know, saber tooth tigers or basically run away so they couldn't get them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's our fight or, or flight or actually freeze instinct where you mm-hmm. just panic and do nothing at that point. Mm-hmm. So adrenaline kicks in when you're watching a horror movie, when there's suspenseful, dramatic or horrifying images on the screen. Um the brain notices this adrenaline kicking in and it basically um, notices all these increased symptoms of your anxiety. For some people, it's their heartbeat starts to accelerate. For others, it's sweaty palms. For others, they might start getting very jittery. As the brain notices the nervous system taking over and doing that, it starts releasing chemicals into the body as a way to let the body know, like, "Look, you're safe. You're in an environment that nothing bad is going to happen to you right now."
3: Hmm. Yeah, yeah my my uh, anxieties are like my my fingers. You guys, the listeners can't see me, but I'm like wiggling my fingers because they just get really tense and I start mm-hmm. to like mm-hmm. breathe really like quickly. You know. I realize that I sort of stop breathing and
1: everything just kind of clenches up mm-hmm. and I, cl- I clench my fists, I clench my butt, I clench <laughs>
3: clench my back. It's all just shut like a little clamp. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I noticed I was walking around the island in my kitchen one time and then I was mm-hmm. like, okay, I'm going to go outside and walk down the street instead of just circling this thing like a Like some kind of mouse on a wheel or something, Mm -hmm. but it's funny. It's like your, your body knows how it wants to express that. Mm -hmm. And it just kind of, I don't even think about it. Sometimes it just starts coming out. And so like what you were talking about, about releasing that, that chemical, that's almost like the chemicals that are trying to ground your body. Right. Exactly.
0: Exactly. Essentially what's happening now is your body is basically going through a dry run or a practice run when it comes to handling actual anxiety. Mm -hmm. Um, it's basically allowing you through watching horror movies to practice the coping skills of dealing with anxiety at that point. So, the idea is the best time to utilize a coping skill or get used to using a coping skill is through practice. Like, you know, if you play a sport or if you play a musical instrument, you know that you have to practice, practice, practice in order to get better. So, when, like for example, when I'm counseling someone that suffers from anxiety, We do a lot of role plays. We do a lot of grounding techniques. We do a lot of practice in session Mm -hmm. in terms of practicing how to use that grounding skill or that coping skill. So we might practice something called like five, four, three, two, one, where we look for five things in the room that we might not otherwise notice. Mm -hmm. We'll listen for four things in our environment we might otherwise not hear under normal circumstances, We'll utilize our sense of um, feel or touch. We we'll use our sense of smell. And if there's an opportunity, you know, we'll use our taste as well. Like We might like mm. put a mint in our mouth or something. But we'll practice that in session when we're feeling good and then practice that during the week when they're not seeing me so that when the time comes to use it, they can actually take advantage of it.
1: Yeah. And it's yeah. Like all these things are you're basically training for that moment when mm-hmm. the shit hits the fan. Exactly. And- what do you think there's anything to i i feel like i've found that as i went on my horror journey you kind of end up seeking more and more stimulus you end up Mm -hmm. seeking more like bigger scares what scared me initially no longer scares me um it takes more to scare me now and in some ways that gives me a sense of power and control. It mm-hmm. also makes me a little sad because I'm like, I want to get scared by ghosts. Mm, of um, course. I, I, you know, I, I love a jump scare as cheesy as they are. I love it because, you know, it gives you that little little shock mm-hmm. of adrenaline and that might be the more depressed side of me talking that needs the occasional slap <laughs> out mm-hmm. of my mm-hmm. fugue state. Um, but what do, you, what do you think about that?
0: Well, I think what you've, you've done there is you've kind of normalized your anxiety a bit. Like you get used to things that used to scare you They become normal to you, so they no longer scare you. So like you said, you move on to the next thing. It's like... When you first go to amusement parks, maybe you start with like the um, kiddie roller coaster and then you work your way up to the triple loop to loop roller coaster Mm, at that point. The
1: the Batman deluxe. Exactly.
0: (laughs) So horror movies give someone a chance to really normalize that anxiety. Um, For starters, the viewer might actually compare and contrast what they're feeling or what they're experiencing in their own life. And what they're seeing on screen and then they start to think about, well, things are pretty bad for me right now, but they're not as bad as like this situation that I'm seeing right here. So even though things aren't good for me, they could always be worse and at least (laughs) I have a chance to really change it. Mm. Um, And like you said, Lara, like, you know, the more you would watch like similar types of movies – the more that those situations come up and become very common to you, you kind of inoculate yourself at that point against these certain situations uh, because you're immersing yourself in them. Mm-hmm. Um, so you look for the next thing. So I would compare it to, say, a person that's afraid to ride in elevators. Um what you would do over time is you would think of scenarios where you would be riding an elevator and you would repeat that scenario in your head. And then maybe you would go and look at an elevator and press the buttons. Then you might ride with somebody one floor, then maybe multiple floors. Eventually you would just get to the point where you're riding the elevator on your own over and over again until you're no longer scared of it. So horror movies give you that opportunity to kind of, build up and inoculate yourself against certain anxieties in your life.
1: And huh. in, in, in that scenario that you then go watch The Shining and say, well, <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
1: at least
3: this elevator isn't full of blood. Exactly. That's true. Yeah, that's interesting because like I think um, I think about it as like a, a bookshelf and like part of I have PTSD. So I've got some like repressed memories that I haven't really accessed yet. And like when I first started in therapy, she was like, okay, we're going to build this really strong groundwork so that when we start dipping our toes, I think of it as dipping my toes into the ocean. Um, mm-hmm. Like you're, you, you know, you can come back, you know, like, you know, you can take the elevator down to the mm-hmm. ground floor and it's still there. And like, when I think about it, it's like, I, level one for me is knowing that a bookshelf exists. And then level two is like knowing that there are books on it. And then three is like reading the titles of the books. And four is like taking the book out and then there's opening it. And then, and it's just like, it's so gradual, but like, that's, it's and at first, I was like, Well, I, I'm aren't I just coming for 10 sessions and then we're done and I'm cured, you know? Right. It was like, No, you don't w- spend five years walking into the middle of a forest and then expect to like jump right out of the forest. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a good analogy. It is, yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, I guess you're right. And it, except in my case, it was like 35 years walking into the forest. Wow. <laughs> As um, it
1: often is, I think I that. I know. Yeah.
3: Man, it really, it turns out a lot of stuff has to do with your childhood, <laughs> you know? It's crazy <laughs> how that works. <laughs> it really is. But I liked what you were saying about a practice run for handling anxiety because, like, I think a lot of times from a non-mental health perspective, there's a lot of, like, a pr- horror is a practice run for how to just live your life. Like we say, no, don't walk into there. Like you are like, no, don't answer that phone. Or like when you're watching the screen and you're telling them, no, 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 he's in there, you know, or turn mm-hmm. the light on. What are you doing? It's like, we're like walking ourselves through these situations. And so that's kind of like a, a bigger or maybe more accessible for like, like version of looking at that because we're like, what if somebody was in my house, what would I, mm-hmm. what would I do and how would I get out? And I'm not going to get stuck like that girl was, you know, because right. I know better, you know?
1: Yeah, sometimes I'm conflicted in my opinion if, if it's if it's helped me to watch a bunch of these things or if it just makes me, you know, if it just adds paranoia to a pre-existing paranoid personality. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the jury's still out. And I, and I think that I, I was reviewing one of these articles you sent, Mike, um, this, this one that's kind of like a big review of mm-hmm. research into scary movies in general. It's called Why Do You Like Scary Movies? A Review mm-hmm. of the Empirical Research on Psychological Responses to Horror Films Published in Frontiers in Psychology. <laughs> um, which it's really interesting. And it's it's basically taking a look at all this literature that they could find um on why we are drawn to horror in general, not just cinema, but primarily cinema. Um and there's so much conflict in there, and I think it it sort of reflects the diversity that you see, even within the horror genre, there are so many sub genres. There are so many reasons people are into horror and like, you, you know, you sort of find sub families. If you're a big Mm -hmm. horror freak Mm -hmm. of people that like the same specific things you do. Um, and there are others where you're like, Oh, like, you you know, no, 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 not that kind of horror movie, dear God, please. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Um, so I just think it's interesting how, how I, I think the research Is really interesting and really compelling. I just think there's so much more room to grow and explore in terms Mm -hmm. of um, what's going on here. Because I think there's more than one
3: thing happening. Yeah. Yeah. Because like you were talking. Oh, go ahead, Mike. No, you first, Jen. I was going to say you were talking about trying to find like the biggest, the next bigger scare. And like that's kind of the opposite of how I think I approach it, I think. And maybe that just speaks to like my anxiety is like specific Kind of to trauma from my past But like I It's almost like I'm in the mood for a certain type Of feeling and that I'm looking for Horror to like kind of unlock it Because sometimes I watch horror to like allow myself to feel that fear, you know, or like, you know, when you just want to have your good cry and just get it out of your system, you know, and like, so sometimes I really just want to watch the witch, even though it is like so dark and so hard for me to watch because it just like brings up a lot of issues, but it's like, I, I can actually allow myself to connect with that. And a lot of my own like head games that I play with myself is I just ignore everything I'm feeling, um, and like when we were talking about the grounding things, it's like, it's, I guess it's kind of a way of like getting into my body and feel, or no, it was the five, four, three, two, one. Like I just, cause it, Laura it reminded me of when we were um, doing that losers club episode and we were talking about Gerald's game yes, and she was totally. talking about the body, like her toes. And it was some cute poem and I can't remember. Yeah, it. She had the mm-hmm. thing
1: her therapist gave her to talk her through um, her, her, it was a grounding technique, but it, all it really did was make her feel insecure about her body.
3: <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And mine, and, Mine is simple. I'm. It's just toes, 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 toes. Heels, 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 heels. Knees, 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 knees. Um, but it's like, oh yeah, my body has feelings, and I need to pay. And my body is sending me these signals, but my brain is so used to overriding that that I don't pay attention. And so, so I feel like, like horror sometimes can like unlock those feelings for me. Mm-hmm. You know,
0: one of the things that I think all of us said. Without really talking about it ahead of time, is how we discovered horror, and I think for all of us, we discovered horror at a fairly young age. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably an age where we were uh, too young to be exposed to it. <laughs> what was somehow... everybody's
3: first horror? Maybe sorry, not to interrupt. But just what sure. was everybody's first? Mine was Fright Night.
1: I'm trying to think like what qualifies. This is another complex thing. Like what actually qualifies as a horror movie? And I'm trying to remember because I I know I saw like, I mean, I guess I'll say Beetlejuice because it's just kind of horror. It's obviously horror. Totally counts. But I mean, my grandma had that on VHS. We would just pop it on at her house. And that was probably my my first one that I can really remember. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Well, for me, it's not the first horror movie I saw in, in its totality. But Salem's Lot, the jailhouse scene. I remember mm. like creeping in on my cousin who was watching it on Sunday morning yep. and he was like, you got to leave the room, dude. This is going to really scare you. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I'm four years old. I can handle it. Oh my and, gosh. Yes. Yeah. the jail. <laughs> So I couldn't. And I immediately like when, um, when Orlok pops up, I immediately ran upstairs and hid under my bed and <laughs> mm-hmm. sobbed basically. So yes. that's the first thing about horror movies I remember. Um... But one of the things about like childhood in horror movies or childhood and scary things in general, a lot of how we shape the way the world works and a lot of how we work through problems is shaped by fairy tales. Um, There's a definite structure to most fairy tales where you're introduced to this idyllic world where everything is okay. Mm -hmm. You have some sort of villain or some sort of trauma that's introduced to that world, whether it's like Little Red Riding Hood going to see her grandmother and then she encounters the big bad wolf Mm. and that big bad wolf wants to eat her and then you have the end result which is basically the wolf is defeated by um you know the woodcutter or red herself depending on which version you read (laughs) but basically as a kid you hear these stories and you start to develop this feeling like oh there are problems in the world there are scary things in the world But they can be fixed. They can be solved. And your brain starts becoming more and more curious about how do we solve those problems. And having that normalcy restored at the end of the story kind of helps reset our brain at that point. And horror movies are typically the same way. Usually in a horror movie like Good does triumph over evil in the end, and that adds to a satisfying resolution. So that buildup of anxiety or tension you feel in your body, you get that euphoric release at the end of it, because at the end of the day, you see that order is restored.
3: Yeah, I remember reading, I think it's the story Grandma by uh, Stephen mm-hmm. King. In case you can't tell, I love Stephen King. Um, I think it's safe to say this is a Stephen
1: King friendly household here on nice. this podcast. <laughs> plug um, for the Losers Club.
3: True, Conce- yeah. Consequence Podcast Network. That's, that's, a, that's a plug. That's right, yeah. Carry Um, on. Well, I remember reading that story, Grandma, about a little boy who's left alone with his grandmother. um, And he's talking about, like, looking for the headlights pulling into the driveway. And he just used the phrase, the restoration of order. And that has kind of stuck in my brain, like, as the... This is what sets us to right, my like kind of what you were just talking about. Like this is this is how we know we're safe again. And I think a lot of times when we're children, it's the adult is back in the room, you know. Mm-hmm. Or I mean, I guess if it's a healthy and not scary adult. Um, but like just that, or my teachers back, you know, somebody is here, somebody is going to be able mm-hmm. to protect me. Um, and so maybe when we're watching all of these, it's just like exercising that fear of like, what if the adult doesn't come back, or what if we can't trust the adult, you know? And
1: I. That sort of makes me think and I I wasn't planning to ramble about this to this degree, but it just made me think really hard about Nightmare on Elm Street, the original, Um, which, you know, as I mentioned, like I liked a certain type of horror movie, uh, you know, when I was younger and it was more campy stuff more ghosts and creepy stuff. It took me a long time to get on board with like slasher films and things Mm -hmm. that had more gore and that are more traditionally associated with horror movies and i think the first one that really got me on board with the quote-unquote slasher genre was nightmare on elm street because it one it's it's so imaginative and it opens up a lot of like possibilities or it did in my mind for what a horror movie can look like Mm -hmm. Um, but also really what that movie is about in a lot of ways is not like realizing that your parents can't protect you, that you're, that mm-hmm. adults can't protect you. Um, and I think like if you're going on this journey where you start with fairy tales and you amp your way up to slightly more complex stories and movies and, and yada, yada. And then I think when I arrived at Nightmare on Elm Street, it just had a really profound effect on what I was willing to watch um, and what I realized I could be okay with. And mm-hmm. also just like, hey, there's so much like psychological material to, 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 to plumb, uh, in that one. And I think that, that, that like your parents can't protect you and you can't escape your nightmares. And sometimes there is no answer.
3: Um, Mm -hmm. you have to go to sleep at some point,
1: right? It really resonated with me in terms of like my own anxieties. Um, but that was kind of a turning point where I was willing to go a little darker, if you will. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know. That was just a thought
3: that I had. And I said out loud. No, it's great. Yeah. I'm trying to think like, I don't, Stephen King is really the memory I had of seeking out horror when I was younger. Um, and I, and a lot of that was reading. And I think maybe part of that was because I wasn't really allowed to watch a lot of scary movies Mm -hmm. and I could read a book in my bedroom and nobody would know what I was reading. Um, and so I would try to like seek out the adaptations and also since my dad liked Stephen King, that was kind of like already kind of approved, but like, I didn't grow up watching slashers. um, And so, like, there are still a lot of the franchises, the big three that I haven't seen all of. um, And, um, but now that's like, it's kind of segueing into the next thing I kind of wanted us to talk about. Like, that slashers are my horror comfort food, you know? And when I think, because when I was in, like, the first horror movie I really remember loving, absolutely loving, was Scream. And I was 16, and I remember I had just gotten my driver's license, and I drove to the theater myself, and um, I I remember the skirt that I was wearing, because it was really cute, and I just got it, and I was like, is this guy going to ask me to homecoming? Um, <laughs> and it was just like this fan, he didn't, and it was okay. <laughs> like, we, we've carried on, and it's fine. Um, but like it was just this moment in my life, and I just connected with it so much. And then there was H2O that came out soon after, and that's when I kind of got addicted to those nine. 90- 90s teen horror movies but there's like a safeness in those you know Mm -hmm. like there's I kind of think of them as bubblegum sometimes um because it's like everybody's hair is really shiny and they have the cute little like spiky pigtails and like their outfits are really cute and like you know which ones are gonna die and you know which ones are gonna be safe and so there's like a safety in that and like what I think of as my number one horror comfort food movie it's the original Friday the 13th so kind of like your Nightmare on Elm Street and I love that movie because it is so formulaic, you know, like it's it's like you can almost hear the slasher formula click into place in that movie, you know, and it just there's a safety in that because I know what's going to happen. I know. Well, Kevin Bacon's pretty dreamy, but also like (laughs) I know this is the part I look away because I don't really like gore that much. And this is this is who the killer is. And we've got crazy Ralph and he's warning us, you know, and it's like I know what's coming and it's just that is comforting to me when I was younger, it was reading pet cemetery, I think, which is crazy because that, movie, that book is so dark, yes. um, but I would just go to the pool and I would reread it over and over and over again. Cause it was just, it was comfort. And I think it's comfort of just knowing what's coming, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, yeah. My pool side reading was at that time was probably all the like, Anne Rice vampire novels, mm-hmm. which is, you know, like a lot of my comfort stuff was Gothic overwrought bullshit. Um, <laughs> I definitely in the nineties in that era, I was like watching the craft over and over again. Mm. I was definitely like calling myself Wiccan at the time in response to Catholic school. Um, <laughs> lo- loved that movie. And then uh, other things like, I, like you mentioned, uh, Mike, the hammer horror films. I love hammer horror films. Like I've watched the devil rides out. Like God mm-hmm. knows how many times that is. I, that one is just cause it's so silly and the costumes and the whole, I love that kind of like British horror stuff from like the sixties and seventies. Mm. Um, those are some of my other comfort foods, and and then just to take a total departure, the thing, um, mm. *Carpenter's* the thing. I watch that at least once or twice a year. I love this. I'm obsessed with the special effects and the, the how it was all made. And I just fuck. I just love that movie. It's yeah. <laughs> top for me.
3: Mike, what are some of your like some, comfort horror? Also, like, can you talk a little bit about what comfort horror is? If we haven't already kind of covered it earlier. Yeah, um,
0: you know, I don't think there's a real definition of it. For me, it is. The movies that I watch when I want to get into a certain mood or if I want to bring myself down um, are kind of like a form of self-care for me overall Mm -hmm. because they're kind of the old standbys, because they're things that I've seen dozens, if not hundreds of times overall. And I'm just kind of in love with those movies. Um, So growing up, I read a lot of Stephen King. I think the first thing I read by him was Cujo when I was mm. far too young to read that movie, <laughs> uh, read that book. Um, and then I remember, like, getting The Cycle of the Werewolf, kind of kind of like novella slash graphic novel, um, and really enjoying that. And then It and every... I used to just devour everything by him. Mm. Um, and then growing <laughs> up, like, right in the... I had an uncle that was probably one of the first people to ever get a VCR. So he would rent <laughs> things like Halloween three and the shining. And every Friday afternoon I would go to his house and he would be like, right, let's pop in a movie and you'd watch the shining at, you know, again, like seven, eight years old and mm-hmm. not Your family really.
1: Sounds super cool. Like you got this grandma yeah. and this uncle and they're all just you know, like.
0: They had their moments. You know, they had some, <laughs> good things about them you know my dad every saturday we would like watch three stooges in the morning that i'd go play soccer and then there was creature double feature where you would do like you would have bride of the frankenstein and then like godzilla versus mothra oh, coming hell yeah. up so things like that so it was just really fun like you could really get into like watching all these old movies but then as i got older um Texas Chainsaw Massacre there was a period of time in my early 20s where every Saturday night we would end up at one particular friend's house there would be like bands playing in the basement until midnight and then we would just pop on these like Texas Chainsaw Massacre would be the first thing we would watch and it was so bizarre and so out there and so chaotic that it almost brought us comfort and again just because we're like this is so bananas. We know nothing in our life is ever going to be this bad.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. It you know, so was
0: almost a comfort in it. So <laughs> for me, like right now as we're kind of going into month three of having to spend almost every day, all day at our house. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, when I was in grad school, like built a little, budget theater in a corner of the basement where I just use blackout curtains and um, this like spongy flooring that looks like a hardwood floor and a giant bean bag and basically put a little movie theater in on the cheap Mm -hmm. and we'll go down there and just spend like hours watching movies um
1: that rolls so it's awesome yeah
0: I actually like as a project took the gray cement wall and like painted it to look like brick with just sponges and a bunch (laughs) of different paints. Um, So it's just my kind of like, it's my little nesting area. But Mm. like right now I can tell you I've gone through like every Elm Street movie again, um, the Scream movies, and then we just did like a run of like 90 slasher movies. Mm. Not because those are good movies, but because they're a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's more about like those movies bring me back to a time when I was just feeling really comfortable and really safe and really happy. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, like, I really want to watch The Lodge. Uh, I hear it's incredible.
1: <laughs> Do not um, watch The Lodge. I saw The Lodge. Do yeah. not watch The Lodge. It's oh, a great, yeah. great movie. I saw mm-hmm. it at Sin Apocalypse um, last last June. Mm-hmm. Um where I, cause I'm also a, f- a filmmaker and I had a mm-hmm. short in that festival and now, now that's all over forever. No. <laughs> uh, but anyway, the lodge was one of the bleakest, bleakest. Movie. I mean, it's great. It's really a strange movie and does not necessarily go exactly where you think it's going to go, but Holy mm-hmm. shit. Do not watch it.
2: Mm.
0: Yeah. I just don't think I have that headspace right now. Yeah. So it's kind of like, I don't, you know, like I'm the kind of person that thought the tribe was a black comedy <laughs> and would get, um, I would get a lot of stares at. Like when I saw that in theaters, I would be laughing hysterically
3: oh, and everybody being... would be
0: <laughs> inching away. But I don't know right now if I have like the headspace to watch The Lodge. So I'm going through all the old standbys. Like for my other podcasts, we're just going to start on Alien starting this mm. week. And, you know, I think I've rewatched Alien about three times in the past week. And that's always a good picks, one. Yeah. yeah. And I always pick something new up from it every time.
1: It's a great, great movie. Uh, Jen, are there any things you're avoiding right now, given (laughs) our uh,
3: geopolitical pandemic situation? Yeah, there are. Um, That's actually what I was going to seg us in. So awesome. Um, Yeah. True crime is what I'm avoiding right now, I think. Um, And I think like true crime is not I don't think it's quite in the same house as horror, yeah. but there's just a lot of overlap. Um, and maybe one day we'll do a spinoff about true crime and, uh, mental health, um, oh, yeah, because I think there's a lot of interesting stuff there too, but 100%. that's, yeah, that's, that's the one that I'm kind of avoiding. And it, it started about six months ago. And I think that was kind of when I started diving into deeper waters in therapy. And I was like, no, my brain is already just a little mm-hmm. overstimulated. I can't really go here. Um, yeah. But yeah, there, and I have always been um, pretty aware of my horror limits. Um, And like, I don't always kind of what I was saying earlier, I don't always seek out the scariest thing, because I'm like, no, that's. I think that's just going to be too much for me. And I love to like read the descriptions of or like the IMDb summaries of like martyrs and yes. uh, inside. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I li- I listen to episodes of podcasts about those, but it. I know that it's too much for me right now. Um, I do. The, I do the same thing. Do. Just-
1: yeah, anything that like I know is on those lists of like the most fucked up movie. Like I will right. read every no. single thing about it. And this mm-hmm. is kind of like one of you were saying, like you could read Stephen King and you could read these books. But, you could, you know, you, it's different than watching. I think I do the same thing with I'm like, I'm going to read about a Serbian film. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Like not watching
3: that because mm-hmm, I want to yeah. know, you know, and yeah. it's funny. Like, I can't remember. We were watching. A mo- oh, it was Reanimator. And I had that I'd never seen it before. And we watched it for the podcast and I had done a bunch of research and I knew that the scene, the, um, to put it gently, the head giving head scene. Yes. It's I, really I knew <laughs> that w- it was, it was hard to watch for me. Um, I knew it was coming and I had read about it and I was like, okay, um, I, I can do this. And I even like, I had gone into detail reading about everything that was going to happen, but actually watching it was a very different experience. And I, hate, mm-hmm.
1: I hate that moment because I really enjoy that movie. Otherwise me it's too. such a, it's it's it feels so bizarre because it's such a fun, campy movie. And then they were just like, it's like somebody like didn't get the memo that that's not mm-hmm. funny. And right. it's like going way too hard. And like, oh, mm-hmm. man, because, yeah, I just I think the last time I was watching it, I had completely repressed that scene. And then it came up and I was like, oh, because like sexual yeah. violence stuff is one of the like no goes for me. Yeah, and me too. that that scene is so upsetting anyway.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because it is. But I also when a rape revenge movie is well done, I love it. Um, like specifically Revenge, which is a French movie from mm-hmm. 2018, mm-hmm. I think it's on shutter right now and it is amazing. I've heard and then, good things. I just oh, haven't been able
1: so to bring good. myself to watch it because of, you know yeah
3: well okay so to let you know you don't really see any of the actual assault okay,
1: um, which I think good.
3: they I really liked how they did that but like I was watching that movie and do you guys remember that image when the US soccer team the women's soccer team this is like in the 90s or the early 2000s won the World Cup and Brandi Chastain mm-hmm. like ripped her shirt off yes. like that yeah. was how I felt after watching this movie and I was like yeah yeah okay for that reason <laughs> I'll maybe watch it because I really like like Death Proof
1: because mostly just to watch like three stunt women like three really mm-hmm. strong women and like kill kurt russell is just like super fun uh, for me. Um, I haven't so, seen that. Okay, so
3: maybe we'll trade.
1: Yeah, okay, <laughs> we can do that. Nice. Yeah, yeah, for me
0: I there was a period where I wouldn't watch movies that had a lot of violence against like especially small children.
2: Mm, so yeah. like
0: yeah. um the Last Centipede 2, which to me struck me as like the movie where the director was just like, oh, you didn't think the first one was hardcore enough? Well, screw uh, you guys. You I know? can't yeah. do those
3: movies at all. I just, um, <laughs> but and, I read the synopsis of it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. I'm like,
0: yeah, this isn't something I need. Like there's yeah. nothing. Um, I think that like I'll probably never watch Martyrs again as well done as that movie is because mm-hmm. to me, like the last... 40 minutes of that movie is just watching someone who's helpless being punched in the face. And I have a big – I don't have a big problem with violence in movies. I have little problem with gore in movies. But one of my things that I get very uncomfortable with is when someone is helpless to fight back. That's something where I just like Mm -hmm. really feel – kind of hemmed in by a movie at that point and i'm like eh, i can go without this yeah, yeah it kind
1: of takes i think what we were talking about before about the idea of like can it be overcome at least having the possibility mm-hmm. of something being overcome to just watch someone get like brutalized to death and be like tied down or whatever like it just it's no there's no fun in that for me um mm-hmm. yeah i just i, I
2: get that
3: I think of like funny games when I think of that, you know, of just like there's there's no way that they're like they're just stuck and they're trapped. And there are moments when the characters are literally helpless and that mm-hmm. I don't think I'll ever watch that one again.
1: Yeah, I was Sorry. just saying I, I love that movie. I love, oh, really? I love it. I love it. But it's so it's one of the most upsetting movies. It's like I mean, I think because Mike. OK, so this gets into a whole thing like my, Michael Haneke who made that movie like he I feel like he does. He sort of toes that line. He's like a little close to Lars von Trier, but then Lars von Trier goes in the opposite direction of like it's just somebody flipping you off and like jerking off in your face going like <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you like that? You like that? Whereas like Michael Haneke, I feel like he has a point to his movies and mm-hmm. they're they're at least worth watching once, whereas there's many like LVT movies I'm like I don't need to even see that once or I'll turn it off halfway through. But yeah. um but Michael Haneke, I think he just he does does stuff that's interesting enough where but again, I have no desire to rewatch it anytime
3: soon. But but I I recommend it to people because I think it's a great film. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's like kind of one of the thing, like, and I also want to like caution everyone that we're saying, we're not saying any movie is bad or that you shouldn't watch any of these movies. Like, this is just like, we're all going to have different personal reactions to these movies. And I know like, as, like, as we watch movies through the pod, I've started to notice like there are particular triggers in movies for me that I do not, that make me really uncomfortable um, and sometimes when we'll get to that point in the outline, I'll have to have somebody else talk about it because it just mm-hmm. I don't. I, yeah. it's it's mm, you know. I get or that. Or and like, that's
1: that's the tension of horror is that it's full of all these pitfalls of like you never know what's gonna upset you, and like that's maybe some of the appeal of it. But it's also like when when you get into like discussing it, you know, it can be very fraught with with potential you know um, tr- triggers and things. Yeah. That, and so like I think at any time if you want to tap out, that's great. If our listeners want to disagree with us, that's great. I'm I'm mm-hmm. all for opinions. Well, Absolutely. Well the tapping
0: out part of it again, that's one of the ways that horror movies do help people that suffer from trauma and suffer from anxiety cope and deal with it because the person watching the movie they realize that they actually have control over the movie at that point they have control over the experience where in other instances or other aspects of their life they don't have that control yes over totally it. so they have the ability if they want to either pause the movie or fast forward through a section or even stop the movie and go do something else if they want to mm-hmm. and one of the and again it's one of the ways that people who do like Horror movies, even if they don't tap out, even if they are completely able to stomach just about anything on screen, and there's no personal boundary they they won't push, knowing they have that control mm-hmm. is a way for them to deal with trauma and a way to deal with anxiety because they they can then look at that and say what are some other areas in my life where I have control where I have felt helpless before. And how do I exert that control?
1: Mm.
3: Realizing that you have more control than you thought. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because you can turn the lights on, you know, Mm -hmm. or you can push stop. I mean, not to spoil, but speaking of funny games, you know, um, So what do you, we've kind of edged a little bit around this, but like, what Mm -hmm. are your two fars, you know, like mine, I do not like gore in horror. And I think I've thought a lot about why that is, because I also have a scar phobia, um, like so much so that I've had scars get infected because I was too afraid to clean them. Uh Um, (laughs) I know. Yeah. Um, and I think that it's, um, because scars show visual pain or like visual markers of pain. And that's just something like I grew up not being able to like. Having to repress how I was feeling You know and so that's like I do not like gory movies that's part of why I've avoided French extremity um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And movie and especially Like surgery horror like the human centipede Is just mm. um, And it's it frustrates me sometimes Too because I want to watch these movies And I because I know like Part of me knows I probably could handle it And it would probably be this like uplifting Or not uplifting but like empowering experience For me to get through it like yes. Revenge is really gory in parts. Um and then like the main, <laughs> main character is like there's a part where she's just covered in blood. And there's also a moment in another one of my favorites, the descent, where she's like, she's literally covered in blood and it's like this primal yeah. scream. And I if you follow any movie. of my social accounts, you've seen me because I I post that all the time. Because I feel like that's like when I see that I'm like yes that's how I feel. And I that- can just connect right in there. But like I just also, sometimes I just can't push myself. And I'm like, no, I, it's enough for me just, especially right now, it's yes. enough for me to get meals for my kids every day and like check my email. And sometimes I can't even check my email.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, and it's all these things you go through cycles, right? Like there's mm-hmm. some days that I can handle certain things and other days that I can't. And it's like some days something is enjoyable to me and other days it isn't. And I've, I've cycled through that real hard with horror because I actually love gore. I mm-hmm. love gore the more... Uh, you know uh, 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 ex- you know, crazy it is not extreme in the sense of like the French extremity but I like like um, you know stuff where like the even just the uh, the first one that's popping into my mind which is not a great example is like the evil dead r- um, remake where Mm-mm. there's like blood rain and things are coming <laughs> you know and it's I just love like over the top like this uh-huh. isn't even horror but like Ricky oh the ballad of Ricky where it's like this like almost kind of like manga but r- live action manga movie where he's like you know heads are exploding I love practical effects i love like over the top practical effects gore like that's Mm -hmm. like that's why i love 80s movies i love the nightmare series i love evil all the evil deads i love all of sam raimi's weird um weird gore i love but i then there's some days though where suddenly i don't like because like Uh, whatever something set me off that day i i will look at it and just feel sick and it's like I don't totally know what's driving why I really, really love it some days and other days just can't deal with it. And I'm, I'm really fascinated in that with that tension in my own mind.
3: Yeah. Well, and Mike, you said something a little earlier about like being averse to children, like when children mm-hmm. are in danger. And like, as like a parent, that's something that I had a lot yeah. of problems with when my it's, kids were little. It's, it's
0: funny. Once my daughter went through the terrible twos, I kind of lost that aversion.
3: <laughs> Suddenly it seemed really appealing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have this memory. Like I had said earlier, I read Pet Cemetery over and over and over again when I was little and that may be the book out of all the books in the world that I've read the most times. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I was doing a chronological reread of Stephen King's stuff, um, which I just finished, by the way. Um, nice. And <laughs> it was it took me like seven years. Um, he has a so, lot of books. <laughs> he really does. Yeah, <laughs> but he's so, a madman. I don't understand it. I know. I, I know. And just... I love it. <laughs> <laughs> he's
0: written three books in the time it's taking us to record this <laughs> I know. podcast. Yeah,
3: this motherfucker. I know. Puts you to shame constantly. We'll have like 20 years of books to be like released after he, I don't want to say it, Mm -hmm. but after he's no longer writing. Um, But so I got to Pet Cemetery when my daughter was two and when I was pregnant with my son. And I remember laying in bed and getting to the point where I don't want to spoil anything, but they're flying a kite. And yeah. I just, I could not turn the page. And that was the only one out of the whole chronological reread that I could not finish. Cause I mm-hmm. just, I can't, you know? I get, and, you
1: know, and that makes sense. I, I don't have, I'm the only, uh, child free I'm not sorry I don't want to use that's like a whole like reddit thing I, I just oh. don't have kids you know like yeah. people who it's a whole I, I don't know why I'm talking about this dear God like why <laughs> did I bring this up it was like I just have some jokes with friends about the people that are call themselves child free and they're like oh, I'm mm. not a breeder anyway that's a whole thing I just don't have kids but I have mm. a dog and I love my dog so much and like an absolute no go for me is if I, like an animal gets hurt like I cannot I can watch people get sliced up eight ways from Sunday but if I see an animal get hurt I will lose my goddamn mind so Ah, That's a
3: no-go for me. We just watched Paranormal Activity 2, and I remember going to see that my brother and I, who both had dogs, and my cousins, who were um, married to each other, so only one of them was actually my cousin, um, but they were in the process of trying to get pregnant, and we were watching that movie, and my brother and I were like, oh, God, I hope nothing happens to the dog, and they were like, oh, God, I hope nothing happens to the baby, and we were talking about that (laughs) after because it's it's just what you connect to, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, I... I made a short film called short leash that's about a woman living alone with her dog and it's about anxiety. And like, and I I was playing with that tension of if you think something is going to happen to the dog or not, but I, I'm not going to say anything further, but based (laughs) on what I just said, I think you can deduce that nothing too terrible happens to the dog. (laughs) Um, But I wanted to play with that tension just because Mm -hmm. I think that that's, you know, caring for someone. And it's kind of similar to what you just said, Mike, about watching somebody helpless. I think seeing, seeing uh, anything where someone really can't defend themselves and that is sort of sacred trust is betrayed can be really hard to deal with. Yeah.
0: You no, know, it's it's so funny to me too, because like I know so many people where they could literally watch a movie where like millions of children are like basically nuked into orbit but if like if a dog gets injured it's like i won't watch this movie Uh ever you go to hell um and i love like right i love our pets like we have a veritable zoo at our house between our dog two cats and a rabbit um so i love my i love my pets but you know like when i see an animal get injured on film i'm like it's not really getting hurt, you know? Uh-huh. Um, so unless that it's that you movie. Know. Mm-hmm, right. Unless <laughs> it's that true. movie, like A Dog's Life. Um, or Cannibal mm-hmm.
1: Holocaust or something right. where they actually did the
3: 13th. Whew. Yeah.
0: Um, but by and large, like the animals are okay. Like, but I know that that's like a big trigger for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, as we're having this discussion, like I remembered a review I wrote, God, T- almost 10 years to the day now about this uh, South Korean film called the butcher. Mm. And Ooh. it was like one of the few, like my headline was like, this could be the film that turns me off of horror forever. Oh, Cause it was just like straight up torture. And I remember one of the techniques that was used was when like, if it was a man getting abused on screen, you saw things from his point of view and you were meant to kind of empathize, but oh, God. When, he, when it was one of the many, many instances of women being tormented and tortured, like the, it went to a first person killer point of view mm. shot overall. And I'm like, there's something wrong here with this. Yeah. Um, so that kind of, again, you know, you, you know, there's nothing that's out there that I probably won't try out. Like there's nothing where I'm like, Nope, I definitely won't do that do that, uh, ever. Um, but you know, right now I would say for me, torture movies are kind of low on my priority list. Mm, um, yeah. Yeah. Spe- speaking of kids, the day we found out we were having our daughter, I think we did a double feature of the orphan and the children. <laughs> and <laughs> I am what? pretty oh. sure she was conceived the night we watched inside oh, together. No. So
3: yeah, <laughs> My Don't ever a, tell your daughter that for I had so many a book, reasons. A book sorry. club for a while. Sorry, Laura. No, I'm sorry. Um, Go on. Our, my, when I was having, like, I had a book club in our baby's, my baby shower, like, month, we did Rosemary's Baby. <laughs> but it's like that kind of sick horror kind yeah. of thing. You know, you, you lean into it, you know? Mm-hmm. That makes me, I,
1: one of my favorite, um, Chil- you know children kind of horror movies is the brood by cronenberg mm-hmm. um oh man there's some re- if you don't like body horror there's some moments in there you'll want to avoid because it's like some of the grossest reveal weirdest grossest reveals though but the kids in that like the or quote air quote kids i won't say much more but oh mm-hmm. man that one is what i always think of when i think of like kid horror stuff
3: mm-hmm yeah i like i think there's a particular movie that's out right now and i almost don't want to say it because i don't want like the hive to attack me but kind of like the the movie the butcher you were talking about like there's a movie that's out right there right now and it just i can feel the cruelty coming through the movie Mm -hmm. you know at it seems like Women, you know, and that was I'm very curious. off-putting to me. Well, let's just say it has a clown in it. Um, oh, ter- oh, yeah, yeah, no, no, yeah. yeah I, I
1: won't, I won't. I, I saw enough. I saw some clips of it, and I was just like, "This isn't for me." Again, I, maybe I'll watch it someday out of curiosity or boredom, but I yeah. just—it's not my speed. It's not my thing. Yeah. Hey, um, and if
3: you love that movie, more power to you. Go for it. That just—that yeah. that might have a lot to do with like my own personal history um, with some men, but like, and just who are
1: clowns? Yeah. Yeah. Oh no, no. I know.
3: <laughs> it's like all those hand puppets you know right
1: it's like okay. exactly I I I wish I'd only I wish I hadn't dated so many actual clowns oh, you know, but what was I gonna say well I mean like for example like one of my favorite podcasts is last podcast on the left and they sometimes mm-hmm. talk about movies on there that I'm like I hate that movie and like they really love a lot of the Rob zombie like slasher movies which I have mm-hmm. mixed feelings about and I think they were talking about liking terrifier and like you know I love those guys I love them but I like violently disagree with them like half of the time and so mm-hmm. you know I I don't. I think that that's part of the. I'm like totally okay with disagreeing and having like lively, spirited debate Mm -hmm. (laughs) about these things. You know, I think it's all put it all on the
3: table. You know. Yeah. No, I agree.
0: But that's part of the beauty of the genre is that there's such a big umbrella for it. I think more so than maybe any other genre of film. Mm -hmm. So there are all these little areas where you can kind of dip your toes into them and find out what you love and find out what really isn't your cup of tea and then still be a really big fan overall.
3: Yeah. And it's interesting how that changes over time. And like, I think... I just connect so many things to my life experiences. And sometimes Mm -hmm. like I have found, and I kind of wanted to ask you, Mike, like I have found that child in danger horror doesn't bother me as much as it used to. It still Mm -hmm. does bother me, but like I could watch train to Busan and I got through it and it was fine, Mm -hmm. you know? So have you found that like, as your, your child gets older, that it's not so pressing, you know?
0: Yeah. I would say like, as Ada gets older and we've watched a lot of things together, that I would not have been allowed to have watched at her age, but snuck around to do anyway. How old is she? She's going to be 10 in a couple weeks. Got Aww. it. That's a good so, age to sort yeah. of
1: start the journey. Mm-hmm. So her,
0: like, favorite movie right now is A Nightmare on Elm Street 3. Um wow. We've watched They Live Together, The Thing Together, Alien Together, because she'll just like sneak downstairs into the basement when she should be in bed. (laughs) And I'll be like, if you have a nightmare, it's your problem. You know, just like, (laughs) so, um, and she gets through it without any issues. And it's funny, like we were watching They Live Together and she was watching, you know, this, the encampment raid by the police where they, tear everything down and she just started talking about the french revolution and the need for guillotines oh my god Um, you've got a
3: woke child
0: she's ready to go i'm like that's right so um but to me it's like been really fun to watch these movies again for the first time through her eyes and Mm -hmm. you know seeing what she kind of appreciates about it overall um
1: That's one of my favorite things to do is like, if I've seen a movie a thousand times, like watch it with someone
3: else and watch Mm -hmm. their reactions. So getting to do that with your daughter is like so fun. That's so adorable. Oh yeah. I, um, I remember it was kind of a blowing my mind moment when I was, my daughter was four, I think. And I was telling her the story of the three little pigs and I was like, she doesn't know how this is going to end. Like she doesn't know what's going to happen. And it's just Mm -hmm. so interesting to see it through those eyes. Um, mine, mine are five and seven and they're, they're just a little like we've, Corey has tried to watch Goosebumps with them and they're, I think they're just not quite ready. Mm -hmm. Um, I also think sometimes they pick up on my anxiety and I think my daughter is Mm -hmm. my child and she (laughs) may lean a little bit towards the, um, highly sensitive person. Mm -hmm. Um, and, but it's like, I can see the fascination there. Um, and I can see kind of the interest. And when we let her decorate her room, we got, this is one of my proudest moments uh, as a parent. We got we got this big book of My Little Pony posters. And so we were just letting her pick and where she wanted to put them in her room. And the one that she chose to put in the, the center over her bed was a picture of one of the ponies telling scary stories to all of the other ponies. And I was like, oh my gosh, she's my yeah. child. It begins. I know. <laughs> yeah, Ada, <she's- laughs>
0: Ada wrote this like haunted house story for her like oh. essay for her fourth grade class that her teacher gave to me. And she's like, there's so much detail. Like you usually don't see this. And it's like about these kids that like break into a haunted house and have to try to escape it. And it's like <laughs> So much fun, and like she loves telling ghost stories to her friends. Like we have like oh. Halloween parties, and mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. you got so a future horror neat. scribe on your hands. Hopefully, I know. do you Hopefully. ever get anybody that's like, how could you let your child watch that, or like give you shame, or like Laura? Have you ever like felt like shame for watching horror? You know,
1: well, yeah. I mean, I work so for my day job. I work, you know. I I always like to when I start a new job. I've had like three big jobs in, in my adulthood, you know, and I was at the first one for like five years. And I started the job I have about a year ago. And so it's like when people start asking me, like, what do I like? And like, and I'm like, what do you do? And they're like, and I'm like, well, you know, I make movies like on the side. It's kind of like my thing. You know, I'm a really big movie fan. And they're like, oh, what do you make? What kind of movies do you make? It's like, oh horror movies like you know just seeing like how people are going to react to it and people definitely especially when they don't really know you kind of give you the oh you know a lot of people just it's just not you know i think there is still a slight not even with liking it but liking it to the extent that you would like make horror Mm -hmm. movies and do podcasts about horror movies and stuff it's like oh okay um so i don't know if i feel shame but i'm definitely like here we go what are they Mm going to ask what are they going to think um so it's just it's interesting
3: yeah
0: yeah. I mean, I get it a little bit um, overall, you know, and I'm not the kind of person that wears like crazy, gory horror movie T-shirts. Like I wear horror T-shirts, but you wouldn't actually know they're horror movie T-shirts when we go out most mm-hmm. of the time. Oh, um, those those are the best it, kind, I think. <laughs> yeah. You get it a little bit now and again, but pretty much like my whole extended social group are all people that enjoy horror movies overall, and I think because it's become more mainstream mm-hmm. um, in the past five years that yes. you get a little bit less of it. Like, every kid at her school knows who Pennywise the Clown is. Yeah. Now, they yeah. might not have seen it, but they know who Pennywise is. It's just like growing up, like, we would argue about who would win in a fight, Freddie or Jason, mm-hmm. even though we were like, maybe at that point had never actually seen a Elm Street
1: or Friday the 13th movie. I remember seeing all this Freddy stuff and knowing who Freddy Krueger was Mm -hmm. well before I saw
3: any movie. And I think sometimes that's why I was too afraid to watch some of those franchises is because I knew who he was. And like that Jason mask is just really scary when you're Mm -hmm. a kid. That's part of why I love it now and why that is my favorite of the franchises. But it just, it's, it's funny how those things kind of stick in your brain. And so you start to form your own understanding of what it is, because I watch a lot of these, I was kind of binging through Halloween and um, Friday the 13th, kind of in the background as I've been working when my kids aren't around, because if they walked in the room, I don't think they would handle it very well. But like, I'm watching this and like, this really isn't that scary, you know? And that's part of, because of the formula that I was talking about earlier, but like, But I had in my brain that, like, Jason was just the epitome of scary and that it was too much, you know. And Leatherface, too.
1: Yes. Mm -hmm. I think that that horror, especially as a genre, really benefits from merchandising and priming and marketing and all and like trailers and like it's gonna be like it's like so fucked up like if you go back to like how they marketed the exorcist and that like all the like Uh people are passing out in theaters is like definitely a pr stunt but i think doing all that stuff it's really smart because I I, you and I don't know, I think you could go one of two ways where that either makes you more scared because you're like, want to be scared or you're like, well, that wasn't that scary. I've seen and had both reactions, Mm -hmm. Um, but I think that that's such a big part of horror culture and and is the like, you know, the getting your imagination going before you ever see
3: see the thing. It's like the myth proceeding, you know? Okay, yes. which kind of brings me to something that I've been thinking about and wanting to talk about for, like, maybe a year, and that's trigger warnings, because I I am kind of conflicted on it, and I've heard some conflicting research, and I just kind of... Mike, do you have any thoughts on those or, like, giving trigger warnings for movies? You know? I think
0: there are there are two schools of thought with it. There's a school of thought that... It can offer someone at least a heads up and allow them to make the decision on their own whether or not that this is appropriate for them to listen to or do. Um, I am of the mindset where sometimes we dive a little bit too deep down that rabbit hole and, you know, like – wait a minute, I'm a vegan. You didn't tell me someone was going to eat butter toast in this Mm. movie. Why didn't Mm -hmm. you warn me? Um, (laughs) And I'm not being facetious there. Like I think that's an actual example that I've heard at some point. Um,
3: Versus,
0: you know, it's just so... You know, you want to be sensitive to other person's limits overall, but at the same time, the other school of thought is... If you put a trigger warning in front of everything, in some ways, if that person decides, well, I can't deal with this, they never learn to get past the level that they're at. Like, they're always going to feel like, this is where I'm at right now, and this is like, they don't really build any inoculation. That's the other school of thought with it mm-hmm. right now. So, it can kind of go both ways, Um I don't know like I really because you know I'm I think pretty fortunate in that I don't have that many things that really trigger me there are a couple things that do um, but I don't really feel like I need a warning ahead of it like I just kind of recognize it I've got the skill set I think just from my own education and training where I can recognize it and move on and some people kind of lack that ability to do that right now Mm -hmm. so I don't know
1: yeah. Yeah, I, I'm kind of similarly conflicted. But I do think that it's something that like like with a lot of dialogue that happens of a similar nature, it always starts from a really place of good intention. And I mm-hmm. think that there's nothing wrong with really wanting to respect other people <laughs> and respect yeah. their mm-hmm. boundaries and stuff. And so but I do think yeah, like anything can be taken to the point where it almost like the, you know, watch out for the buttered toast thing kind of, right. it it undermines the seriousness or the reasons that people really, really mm-hmm. might need, might need a trigger warning due to, mm. you know, like actual trauma. And like, I don't want to disrespect anyone's like choices or beliefs, but like, you know, we all have, we all have to live in this world and you don't want to, you just mm-hmm. don't want to, um, yeah undermine the things the the places where it's really necessary because if you do it for everything then you just get burned out on the whole idea of it right again that's just that's just my gut instinct and i please Mm -hmm. don't be mad at me (laughs) no no No. and i
3: just want to also say like this is a safe space and i want us all to just say what we think and like there's and i want uh, like our listeners to know like we are all people trying to figure everything out and you know
1: yes um, None of us are experts in anything, really. We're <laughs> all just big old dummies. Just right. Trying. right.
3: Especially so, with something like mental health, like you just can't know everything, you know, like I would right. always say to my students, I can't crack your brain open and look and tell that you learned something, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah,
0: I would say like it might be a question we pose. To the listeners and kind of mm-hmm. get their thoughts yes. On it as well Yeah
3: because so. yeah. Yeah, like for Horror Virgin We will post threads Like if you've ever been to the Does the dog die website yes. And you look <laughs> at those trigger warnings Like it's funny I will we'll read the trigger warnings After we've watched a movie And I will just read everything And part of it is just not something That would ever trigger me So it wasn't something that I registered in the movie But I was also thinking like I never would have known that existed in the movie If this Weren't here. And if I had read that, knowing I was still going to watch the movie, it would have put me in a heightened state while I was watching it. Mm -hmm. And almost made me more susceptible to it And on the other hand I am also Like I do have a couple of triggers That really like I have Been triggered before like the other Night I was reading Dolores Claiborne And it's I've read that book like Five times but because I it was like five or six years ago and I've Been talking about some things in therapy Like it really got to me Mm -hmm. Um, And I was watching Ozark season three and there was Something in that that Really bothered me and it's like Like for the rest of the night, like my brain was just like pulling up old stuff and going and going and going. And I don't know if there was a trigger warning that would have prepared me for that because it wasn't. It was it was not specific like the trigger warning would have been for a mental health issue, which is not what got triggered. It was a Mm -hmm. visual that was triggering me. And there's no way that could have been warned for me. But I mean, like what you were saying, Mike, like I worked through it and I talked about it in therapy. And Mm -hmm. like I it was I don't know. I don't know if I want to say it was empowering, but it was like I'm still here, you know. Well, I was going to say, yeah, it is. I
0: think when you you know, like I know when I talk to my clients about the things that we practice in counseling and then they're able to tell me a time that they put it into practice, like, that's a really big deal. And I know for, like... The students I counsel, because when so you counsel a kid at school, it's much different from, you know, a 45 minute therapy session. You know, mm-hmm. my goal when I'm with a kid in school is what is it going to take to get you back into math class right now? Mm-hmm. Not let's dive into like your family trauma. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I have like one student in particular who I really enjoyed working with this past year. And, you know, they would come to my room quite often or in a particular class. And at a certain point, I'm like, look, like you need to actually develop two to three coping skills before you can come see me. Mm. You can't just run out of the room every single time you feel angry. So like working with that person on it and then you know then having them come later on and say hey I was able to do this or they would go two weeks without having to see me like that's a really it shows growth and I think that's all we really want is we want to see growth in the people that we help out.
1: And maybe that's a uh a good segue
3: Uh-huh I was just I think gonna think so. say. You're picking yeah. that up Putting it down Picking it up mm-hmm. yep. uh-huh. Right yeah Because one of the things We want to do Like a therapy session um, We don't want to leave you on Like we've ripped our souls out And talked about hard things And we want to kind of Try to bring it up a little bit um, And talk about We were going to talk about Our self-care But I think maybe Our grounding techniques Might be a better mm-hmm. thing To talk about first um, So Mike We've talked a little bit About what grounding techniques And coping mechanisms are But is there anything else you want to kind of say is like a, a definition of that you know
0: so just to quickly sum it up when we notice that our thoughts are racing when we notice that like We cannot control the way we're thinking or our thoughts get very scattered and they move quickly from one area to another. It's a way to kind of bring ourselves back to the center, I would say, at that point. So using Mm. something that can bring you back to the center of where you were and and, and not have your thoughts kind of seem so scattershot overall.
3: Do you have any that you use I know you've talked about some that you've used with your mm-hmm. your cli- Do you say clients or patients? I usually or-
0: say clients cuz I'm not a doctor so I mm. usually say usually say clients. Um mm. I think that sounds a little bit better than patients yeah. but you know um Or some, you know, so that's usually where we go with that. Um, So, one of the things I've done, we talked about the five, four, three, two, one. Another one is colors of the rainbow, where you will kind of sit yourself down and you'll look in the room. And it's almost like I spy with yourself, where you look for something that's red, then blue, then purple, green orange and yellow Mm -hmm. and you kind of slow yourself down and as you're doing that you are taking your breaths in through your mouth you're holding them for a couple seconds and then like really slowly breathing out so you breathe in you look around the room for that color you find it you hold it and then when you exhale through your mouth you take twice as long to let that breath out as it, as you did to take it in. Mm. Um, and what that does is it has your, it causes your heart to slow down. It causes your brain to slow down. Uh, and it gives you an opportunity to kind of regroup at that point and get your thoughts back under control.
3: Mm. Yep. Laura, do you have any in particular that you use? <clears throat> I do a
1: similar breathing. I think breathing techniques are a big thing that mm-hmm. have helped me a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the main one that I like to do, and I've been struggling with it a little bit lately, which I'll talk about, but it's just, you know, it's got a timing component to it. You breathe in, you know, breathe in two, three, four, hold your breath, two, three, four, breathe out, two, three, four. And you just repeat that with... Mm-hmm breathing in for four seconds, holding it for four seconds, breathing out for four seconds. And I'll usually try to do like lock in on an object in the room, something, you know, benign. Um, And so that's like a pretty much back pocket one that I go to a lot. Um, I've been struggling with it lately, and I think it's interesting on some level is, you know, a lot of the whole pandemic thing. Not to get too into that, but a lot of it has to do with like respiratory health and breathing. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I'm walking around, I'm wearing a mask, and I have asthma, and I'm so I'm very paranoid about <laughs> this infection and stuff in general. And so I've been thinking about breath a lot, and mm-hmm. I've been finding that it's harder for me to get into those deep breaths. where when I start thinking about my breathing too much, it's like mm-hmm. I start to feel like sha- like I'm breathing shallowly, and it's mm. it's like I've never. And so now I'm like, shit, my thing that I always do is like making me think about the thing I don't want to be thinking about. So I'm, I'm trying to work through that and I'm still doing it. And it's not as bad as I'm making it sound, but it's definitely something I've I've noticed lately. And like like I'm struggling to, to breathe as deeply as I would like to or as mm-hmm. steadily as I would like to. So um, that's just something I'm struggling with right now.
3: Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of like. The the problem that I have and I think this kind of just speaks to where I am with my therapy journey is like I can't get I can't like preempt my <laughs> triggers or like I can't once I'm already going and my brain's already spinning. I can't remember what I'm supposed to do to ground, you know, um, and so like the ones that I use, they have to be like so simple Um Like I just, my therapist was like, just add more space to your inhale and more space to your exhale. And because when I'm in that moment, like all I can think about is, okay, just breathe for a little bit longer. Um, And so that's one that's helped me. Um, And it's one of the things that like we were talking about the other day, like I need to, I'm trying to do like body scans or like checks to see if I can see it coming before like it hits and I just have to like run away. Um, Another one that I use is I like, I will hold an ice cube in my hand. And it just kind of like brings me back um, to where I am. I used to draw this little heart on my hand in black Sharpie. And I would just kind of look and was like, okay, these are the hands that are in 2020. These are not the hands that are in like 20 2001, you know, and just try to remember and that that sometimes works. Um, but when when I can get ahead of it, The thing and I feel a little um, I hope this can be a safe space To talk about this because I get kind of anxious Talking about it but like I use Tarot cards as kind of A a grounding Thing Mm -hmm. Um, and I was telling My therapist about it and she's like oh yeah it's like Parts work therapy which is kind of Like an image based way Of kind of having you associate with an Image I don't know if I'm saying this Right and Mike you may know a little bit more about It but it just like I pull cards and I'm like Like connect with the image and then I read a little thing about it. And I think it just kind of pulls me out of what I'm freaked out about because I can focus on something else. And there's a person in the card that I can either identify with or I can just choose another card, you know, and that tends to be something that helps me.
1: I, I do think tarot. You know, I've never, I have not, never, but I, I don't view it as like a divination tool. I view it <laughs> as like an an insight generating tool, and sometimes mm-hmm. it's just, and I just like the aesthetics of it. So I have a deck that I will pull out oh. sometimes and do little three card spreads. <clears throat> Excuse me. Not that I think that I'm actually predicting the future. I mean, it just helps me reflect on things that I it's usually like, oh, I knew what the answer was all along. It was inside myself. But, right. um, you know, it, it's there's just something about it that helps you externalize your own shit.
3: Yeah. Yeah. It's like how you understand the world and also like the lottery tickets too. you know, I won millions of dollars one time because mm-hmm. my tarot cards. Oh, I'm
1: yeah. Getting. That too. Yeah. 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 No, no, I get it. Yeah. It's because that, right. that, that was helpful and oh. it's another good reason to read the tarot. <laughs> exactly. Because money solves all your
3: problems. Mm
1: hmm. It sure does. That's why I'm I'm, I'm actually broadcasting from a, a space bunker. Oh, Excellent. wow Do You have any yeah, room in there? <laughs> it's me and uh, you know across across the um, gangway is Elon Musk and and Grimes and their new baby. Um,
2: oh, so we, we <laughs> hey, really got.
1: It. Yeah, Jared Kushner is over there. Uh, it's really great Ooh. up here, guys. You should try it.
3: Oh, well. Is there anything else we want to say about? grounding or coping mechanisms? Cause we also wanted to talk about what our self-care is.
0: I think that's a good spot right now to transition to self-care. Cause I think right. we're going to do like a different one each week, you know, each yeah. time or each episode.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just so, talking about what, what we may or may not be doing for self-care. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But
3: Mike, first, can you tell us what is self-care? <laughs>
0: Sure. So it is a way. I mean, really, like it's a way to take care of yourself. I, I can't really. I don't want to overthink it, but it's a way mm. to kind of treat yourself. So treat for the yourself. parks and exactly <laughs> for our parks yourself. and rec fans out there, it's <laughs> treat yourself. Um, <laughs> no, but it's something that you. It's something that you you look at different aspects of your life, whether it's work or school, your physical health, your emotional health, or the community uh, and relationships in your life, and you look at those different aspects of your life. And it's the things that you do to nurture those things overall. And they don't have to be very big things, but how do you kind of like tend to that garden to make sure that those four different areas of your life are being um, taken care of and not ignored?
3: Say what those four areas are one more time, please.
0: So I've always considered it like say work or school. If you're a student, your physical health, your mm-hmm. emotional well-being, and also the your personal relationships or community mm. relationships.
3: Mm. So what kind of things are you doing? What's your self-care for right now, Mike?
0: So right now it's walking my dog um, yeah. because we're all, you know, Massachusetts is still um, under a stay-at-home order, and I know that's going to get lifted a little bit in the coming days but we're still almost in the thick of it and it's going to take us a while to get out of it um so my dog is super grateful that we're all at home right now because (laughs) she's getting like multiple walks every single day um But what I like to do is like I'll just take her in like different directions in our neighborhood for a good half hour while I, you know, listen to a podcast on my headphones or I'll just put her in the back of the car. And we live near a lot of different hiking trails. So I am able to just like take her off the leash and go into the woods and go for a hike for an hour with her, sometimes like the three of us will go with the dog, but a lot of times I'll just go on my own. And it's a way to kind of get some fresh air, get some exercise and, you know, take my mind off of things for a bit.
1: Hmm. That, sounds that sounds lovely. lovely. I know.
3: <laughs> Laura, what do, what's your self-care?
1: Well, I do walk my dog every day, but it's less relaxing because he's constantly trying to eat poop. Um, so it's just me just pulling him away, just pulling him away. Ugh. I want to do I want to do a VR video game where the goal is to keep the dog away from poop. Basically, <laughs> I just this is a lot of my life and I had a nightmare about it last night. Really? Anyway, um, I've so been was, there. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's just like, no, he was like getting to all the poop somehow. And I was like, no, don't he's like, Don't I it. give you food? <laughs> And yeah. And he is on a little bit of a diet because he is, I started, I've had him for about almost a year now and he's a little chunky. And so he's Aww. on a diet. And as a result, he just started going to town on, on, on dog shit. Um, anyway, where was I going with this? Right. Self-care. <laughs> um, yeah. So I'm struggling with self-care a little bit right now. I know a lot of things that I should be doing and I'm either like going too hard on the, like, my like laziness. Like I've been playing a lot of animal crossing and then I'm like, maybe I should be playing a little less animal crossing. Cause I think it's becoming maladaptive. Um, <laughs> but the one thing that I'll say that I, that I am go I want to do that. I haven't really started doing yet, but, um, instead of having a to-do list, I will have to do lists cause I have to, but like the, the, the primary focus is going to be having a done list. Mm-hmm. Um, which is at the end of the day, writing down all the things that I got done so that I can focus on the accomplishments that I made and not what I didn't get done, which is what I tend to do. I make really extensive to-do lists and then hate myself for not getting nearly enough done. So I'm going to try to, um, focus on having a done list instead.
3: I love that. I may do a lot of to-do lists too, and maybe I'll try that. Um, Mine has been Gilmore Girls. (laughs) Um, I've been binging that. um, And partly, like, if it were me in my house by myself all day, I would probably just have Shutter on all the time. Um, But because my kids are here, like, it has to be something that they could walk in the room and not be scandalized or terrified by. Um, And so that I started watching that and just having it on in the background. And it just has been so, like... It's, it's like safe, you know, even though there are things that happen that are heartbreaking and like that brought me back to some time, like my high school boyfriends and it's like, don't date him, (laughs) you know how this is going to go, you know, but it's like nothing devastated me. And I, I cried, like I got to have a good cry, you know, and it just, um. It was nice. And I finished it last night and I'm trying to land on my next one. And it might have to be Parks and Rec because that is, it's, it's just. another
1: comforting, safe, it is colorful.
3: Yeah. Well, so we had talked about kind of doing a homework or like a, a question. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if we ever decided on one, but like we could just say, what's your self-care right now? Yeah, oh.
0: I would love to hear if we could pose it to our yeah. listeners, like what form of self-care are they Taking part in right now.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And if you have any grounding or coping techniques Mm -hmm. that you use, we'd love to hear that. Now, I say, tell us, um, how can you tell us? Well, we hope as the time of the recording, we have not set this up yet, but we hope to have um, like social media accounts where you can respond to us. We're talking about doing a Facebook group that will be private and moderated if you want to share something that you don't necessarily want every one of your followers Mm -hmm. to see. Um, So make sure you're following us and we'll talk. About how you can do that in just a minute, um, but yeah, we would love to hear from you. And I think one of the things that really drew me to doing working on this with you guys is one, just talking about all the awesome stuff we just talked about. Um, but like. I want this to be a conversation with a larger group and I want like the horror community is such an amazing and supportive community. It's not perfect, but I feel like when the horror community comes together, it's really amazing. Um, Mm -hmm. and I would love for us to kind of be part of that in this way. So we'll let you know how you can respond and how you can kind of join the conversation with us. Um, but before we talk about that, what are we watching next? So we had taught, we said at the top of the show that our theme for the month is anxiety. Um, and so next week, I'm sorry, two weeks from now, <laughs> we are going to do an episode where we'll talk a little bit more about anxiety and spe- like, maybe a little more specific anxiety things. Um, And we're going to talk about a specific movie in relation to anxiety. Um, And the movie we're going to watch is um, it's one I haven't seen. So I'm really excited to watch this one. Um, It's Let's Scare Jessica to Death.
1: I'm also really excited about this. I haven't seen it in years, but it really Mm -hmm. made an impact on me. It's a weird little movie and I'm super pumped to talk about it.
0: Yeah. 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 This is a uh, this is a good one. I think this delves really well into social anxiety. It's a creepy little 70s movie. Overall, mm. it just got a uh, nice um, re-release from our friends over at Scream Factory and Shout Factory oh, uh, nice. with some great bonus content, so I'm looking forward to kind of diving into the blue.
3: We are going to talk about this movie, and we're going to talk about, we're going to give a synopsis, and we're going to spoil it, mm. because I feel like... In order to talk about it the way we want to, we need to talk about what happens at the end mm-hmm. and like how the journey the characters take. So if you don't want to watch this movie before the episode and you're like me and sometimes I just want to listen and let you tell me about a movie if I'm too scared, that's great. But just know we're going to talk about the whole movie. So mm-hmm. either watch it before or just know that going in. Um So we are also, we are a member of the Consequence Podcast Network, and they have an awesome website that runs articles and reviews all the time. And there are lots of other shows on this network, like Laura and I are both um, contributors to the Losers Club podcast, and also occasional, although Laura does this a little more than me, um, Halloweenies. Um, They also have The Assembly, The Opus, um, The Fifth Dimension, Ghost Echoes. There are so many that I'm worried that I'm missing quite a few. Uh, Kyle Meredith you know, with, <laughs> yeah, just there, dive,
1: dive in and uh, you know there's there's pretty much any genre fan will find something to tickle their fancy.
3: Yeah, there's a lot of really good stuff there, and and there's a lot of horror content, but there's a lot of music content and just kind of pop culture there. So check it out. Um, and Mike, mm-hmm. you are you have your own podcast.
0: Yeah, so I am the co-host along with Jerry Smith, uh, Jerry Smith of the the Pod and the Pendulum podcast, where we dive deep into. Fr- Franchises. Uh, every week, we cover a new entry in a, a franchise. So, we just wrapped up Creep Show. So, we spent three weeks on Creep Show. Uh, we've covered the Friday the Thirteenth. We've covered Halloween. We, as our listeners, um, hear this show. Uh, we are probably knee deep in the Alien franchise. So, we nice. have six movies and at least six weeks that we're going to be doing on that because I think we're going to end up doing like multiple parts for some of these entries There's a lot overall. to talk about. <laughs> there is. And every week we try to have a different guest on to talk about like their love and appreciation for the movie overall. We take things very similar like a mental, you know, from a mental health and sociological point of view. So we kind of draw- dive into the context of the movie Overall, you know, unless we're covering like Critters three, and then it kind of becomes a comedy podcast. Critters yeah. so. three—it
1: was actually very triggering for me. I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay, I was gonna say it's so all you know, those critters. Think,
3: mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, um, so, where can we find you on social media, and where can we find Pod and the Pendulum?
0: So uh, over on Twitter, I am at Mike underscore snoonian and the pod and the Pendulums Twitter is pod and Pendulum. Uh, we are part of the morbidly beautiful podcast network. So if you go to morbidly beautiful podcast, com. you can find uh, a lot of our shows there. You can also, we have about 60 some odd shows now. You can find us over uh, anywhere you get your podcast from Apple, Stitcher, Spotify. Uh, we are all over the place at this point.
3: Nice. and Laura, where can we find you? Um, on
1: Twitter, I'm at Underalls. U-N-D-E-R-A-L-L-S, like the stuff you wear under your pants. Um, sometimes I make <laughs> jokes there. Sometimes I just uh, get real angry. And um inst- Instagram, I'm at Instaglum. I like Instagram but with glum at the mm-hmm. end of it. Um and nice. that's where you'll just see a lot of uh videos of my dog. He's real cute. You should check him out. <laughs>
3: Um, I am one of the co-hosts of the Horror Virgin podcast, um, which is a comedy, horror, a comedy podcast about horror movies, um, where we make my friend Todd watch all these movies and he is terrified of them. And then I try to convince him to like them. And it sometimes works and sometimes not. Um, you can find <laughs> me. <laughs> I think he, I think he, I don't know if he would admit this, but I think he's starting to get a little desensitized. Um, although nice. we just watched Paranormal Activity 2 and that scared the shit out of him. Um, Great. But, I, I love but it. you can find me at Jen Farrah with two Ns on all the socials. And you can find Horror Virgin at, at Horror Virgin on all the socials. Um, um, all right, guys. So is there anything else we need to plug before we uh, launch into the sign-off brainstorm-stravaganza?
2: <laughs> I
0: think we're good. Because
2: we I'm were
3: trying to figure out like what we're going to sign off the show with. And, um, and we're cr- crippled by choice paralysis and anxiety, I know. as we <laughs> often will be. Yes. So this is part two of your homework, if you have something. So we I was thinking horror heals. Um, mm-hmm. And then we have, well, I don't want to say other people's. Wait, I don't Mike Rothman suggested, if it bleeds, we can heal it. And then I think Laura used to. <laughs> if it bleeds, it needs therapy. Uh, oh, I didn't catch the rhyme. I like it. Yeah, yeah that's. Yeah. It. I
1: was trying to rhyme, and that was all I could come up with. I don't know what else rhymes with bleeds. Me- meads? Uh, meads? Yeah. she's yeah, she's I'm
0: very bad at logos and very bad <laughs> at catchphrases. So
3: it bleeds it leads. I, yes.
1: I, okay, so I'll stop. I'll stop. I'm going to keep doing this bleed. for the rest,
3: you know. We yeah. feel the need the bleed for therapy. <laughs> yeah,
1: I feel the, yeah. I
3: feel feel so the bleed, the need. We, okay
0: going yeah, gloriously off stay. the rails. <laughs> I have come here to chew bubble gum and kick ass.
3: And I'm yeah. all out of therapy.
0: yeah
3: <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm here
1: I'm here to chew bubble gum and take care of myself. <laughs> yeah, <Yes. laughs>
3: that's it. I mean, I think yeah. we've struck gold there. <laughs> yes, I'm here to yes. chew, chew bubble gum and therapy. Yeah, so on yeah. that note, that's going to be it for us, guys. I'm Jen. I'm Laura.
0: Oops, and I'm Mike. <laughs>
3: Sorry, and I'm Mike. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us. I know we'll figure it out. We'll get it together, guys. We'll but you know we'll what? It's okay if we don't, right? Yeah,
1: we're we're doing our best. We're just we friends. are.
3: <laughs> All right, bye, guys. Bye. Have a good one. Bye.